Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, December 13th. Have you fallen behind on listening in to the Daily Audio Torah because the rush and the busyness of life is pressing in on you from every side? We all get busy, and the enemy wants nothing more than for us to get distracted and neglect spending time with Yeshua in prayer and in His Word. Can I share a secret with you that might help? It is about establishing a secret place. Yeshua reveals this secret to us when He said in Matthew 6.6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let me break that down for you. First, we go into our room. The King James Version says, Go into your closet. It can literally be a closet that you convert into your own secret place. It can be a corner in your bedroom with a special chair and a table where you sit. Next, we shut the door. We shut the door to distractions. We shut the door to tweets and texts and phone calls, TV and other media, and to the cell phone. We are shutting the door to the world even if only for 20 minutes. Then we spend time with Yeshua. It's like a date night with Him. He loves it when we take special time and a special place to meet with Him. He is the lover of our soul. And in that time and place, you can pour out your heart and soul to Him in prayer. I like to write down my prayers in a journal, and then... When I am done pouring it all out, I pause, I listen, I wait upon the Lord. I wait to hear His still, small, quiet voice speaking to me. And then I write down what I hear. You can light a candle and put on some worship music and just worship Him. You can listen to and read the Word of God. The Word of God is living and powerful and is like a two-edged sword cutting between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. Do you have a secret place where you can meet with your Master? If not, why not create a special place where you can spend time with Him, and then go there to meet with Him often? And I encourage you to listen to Daily Audio Torah each day. Plumb line of truth will keep you on track and on target. Are you being blessed by this ministry? please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. 
Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayeshev, and it means, And he settled. Genesis 37, 23-36 So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing, and then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for twenty pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message, Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. Obadiah 1, 1-21 This is the vision that the Sovereign Lord revealed to Obadiah concerning the land of Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, Get ready, everyone. Let's assemble our armies and attack Edom. The Lord says to Edom, I will cut you down to size among the nations. You will be greatly despised. You have been deceived by your own pride because you live in a rock fortress and make your home high in the mountains. Who can ever reach us way up here, you ask boastfully. But even if you soar as high as eagles and build your nest among the stars, I will bring you crashing down, says the Lord. If thieves came at night and robbed you, what a disaster awaits you. They would not take everything. 
Those who harvest grapes always leave a few for the poor, but your enemies will wipe you out completely. Every nook and cranny of Edom will be searched and looted. Every treasure will be found and taken. All your allies will turn against you. They will help to chase you from your land. They will promise you peace while plotting to deceive and destroy you. Your trusted friends will set traps for you, and you won't even know about it. At that time, not a single wise person will be left in the whole land of Edom, says the Lord. For on the mountains of Edom I will destroy everyone who has understanding. The mightiest warriors of Teman will be terrified, and everyone on the mountains of Edom will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel, you will be filled with shame and destroyed forever. When they were invaded, you stood aloof, refusing to help them. Foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem. But you acted like one of Israel's enemies. You should not have gloated when they exiled your relatives to distant lands. You should not have rejoiced when the people of Judah suffered such misfortune. You should not have spoken arrogantly in that terrible time of trouble. You should not have plundered the land of Israel when they were suffering such calamity. You should not have gloated over their destruction when they were suffering such calamity. You should not have seized their wealth when they were suffering such calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads killing those who tried to escape You should not have captured the survivors and handed them over in their terrible time of trouble. The day is near when I, the Lord, will judge all godless nations. As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. All your evil deeds will fall back on your own heads. I, just as you swallowed up my people on my holy mountain, so you and the surrounding nations will swallow the punishment I will pour out on you. Yes, all you nations will drink and stagger and disappear from history. But Jerusalem will become a refuge for those who escape. It will be a holy place, and the people of Israel will come back to reclaim their inheritance. The people of Israel will be a raging fire, and Edom a field of dry stubble. (coughs) The descendants of Joseph will be a flame roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then my people living in the Negev will occupy the mountains of Edom. Those living in the foothills of Judah will possess the Philistine plains and take over the fields of Ephraim and Samaria. And the people of Benjamin will occupy the land of Gilead. The exiles of Israel will return to their land and occupy the Phoenician coast as far as Zarephath. The captives from Jerusalem exiled in the north will return home and resettle the towns of the Negev. Those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Zion 
in Jerusalem to rule over the mountains of Edom, and the Lord himself will be king. Revelation 4, 1 to 11. Then as I, John, looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Psalm 132, 1-18 Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He made a solemn promise to the Lord. He vowed to the Mighty One of Israel, I will not go home, I will not let myself rest, I will not let my eyes sleep, nor close my eyelids in slumber, until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the Mighty One of Israel. We heard that the ark was in Epathra. Then we found it in the distant countryside of Jair. Let us go to the sanctuary of the Lord. Let us worship at the footstool of his throne. Arise, O Lord, and enter your resting place, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May your priests be clothed in godliness. May your loyal servants sing for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject the king you have anointed. The Lord swore an oath to David with a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne if your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws that I teach them. Then your royal line will continue forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem He has desired it for his home. 
This is my resting place forever, he said. I will live here, for this is the home I desired. I will bless the city and make it prosperous. I will satisfy its poor with food. I will clothe its priests with godliness. Its faithful servants will sing for joy. Here I will increase the power of David. My anointed one will be a light for my people. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but he will be a glorious king. Proverbs 29, 24, and 25 If you assist a thief, you only hurt yourself. You are sworn to tell the truth, but you dare not testify. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trust in the Lord means safety. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of Obadiah, and then we're going to jump into Psalm 132. And this book is very short. It's only one chapter, and it's written to a specific group of people. It is written to Edom. Now remember, Esau gave rise to the kingdom of Edom. Edom and Esau are basically interchangeable terms. I want to share with you the introduction to the book of Obadiah from theisraelbible.com. It's very well said. The fourth book of the Tre Asar Sefer Ovaja, Obadiah, is the shortest book in the Tanakh. It contains one stark message consisting of invective against Edom. Throughout history, Edom remained Israel's implacable enemy, a hatred made even more unforgivable due to their close blood relationship. The Edomites were descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. The loathing for Edom became engraved in the Jewish mind and in rabbinic thought. All of Israel's enemies are considered to be Edom's spiritual descendants. It is impossible to identify who Obadiah was or the time in which he lived. Some traditions connect him with the righteous treasurer of Achav's court, who hid the prophets from Jezebel's murderous wrath, from 1 Kings 18. However, it is difficult to imagine a prophecy against Edom being uttered at that time in the ninth century, when Edom was a backward region consisting mostly of desert sands. Furthermore, the focus of the book is on Judah and Jerusalem, and not on Achav's northern kingdom. Therefore, others suggest that Obadiah prophesied after the destruction of the first temple in 586 BC, when Edom not only broke their alliances with Judah to betray them to the Babylonian conquerors, see Psalm 137, verse 7, and Isaiah 34, 5 to 17, but then they moved across the Jordan Valley to the area west of the Dead Sea, invading and occupying territory that had previously been the inheritance of the exiled Judeans. The single chapter of Obadiah contains several smaller sections, including the prophecy and call against Edom, the grounds for the upcoming punishment, and the punishment itself. So we've been unpacking this relationship between Jacob and Esau in Genesis, and now we can see that over the generations that Esau, who went off to Mount Seir and founded his little kingdom there with many clans and tribes, 
he gave rise to the Edomites, to the nation of Edom, and that Edom has an ancient hatred towards Judah because it it goes back to the ancient hatred between that Esau hated Jacob. And so this plays out even today. Um, You could say that the spirit of Edom rests upon any and all of the uh, nations and the peoples that hate Israel. That would apply to Hamas. That would apply to any Palestinians that live in the uh, West Bank or in the Gaza Strip that would want to do violence against Israel and against the Jewish people. That would even apply to Iran, to the north, that wants to wipe Israel off the map. It would apply to anybody who is anti-Semitic, who hates the Jewish people, who hates the nation of Israel. That is a spirit of Edom. It is a spirit of Esau. Um, Remember, Amalek is on the lineage of Esau. And Haman, who wanted to wipe out all the Jews during the time of Esther, is on the lineage of Esau. So in the book of Obadiah, we see, though, that there's a time coming when um, there is a time coming, though, when the this is all going to get resolved. And in Obadiah chapter 1, verse 17, But Jerusalem will become a refuge for those who escape. It will be a holy place. And the people of Israel will come back to reclaim their inheritance. The people of Israel will be a raging fire, and Edom a field of dry stubble. The descendants of Joseph will be a flame roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken. So, this is talking about the descendants of Joseph. And the descendants of Joseph, that's the house of Joseph, also known as the house of Israel, the northern kingdom. Ephraim became the head of the northern kingdom. That's the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. That's you and me, my friend. And so... Why does God hate Israel or hate Edom and Esau so much? It, it says in Romans, um, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Well, because Esau had such hatred in his heart towards Jacob. We see in, in Obadiah chapter 1, verse 10, because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel, that is Jacob and his descendants, you will be filled with shame and destroyed forever. When they were invaded, you refused. You stood aloof and refused to help them. Foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem, but you acted like one of Israel's enemies. That could very well have happened in 586 BC when uh, the Babylonian army came and destroyed the temple, set it on fire, and, and then they were sent off into exile. But there's a tremendous promise at the close of this book, the last couple of verses, verses 20 and 21. The exiles of Israel. Now, who are the exiles of Israel? This is not talking about the Jews. This is talking about the northern kingdom. 
the northern kingdom, the house of Israel, the ten tribes of the north. They will return to their land and occupy the Phoenician coast as far as Zarephath. The captives from Jerusalem exiled in the north will return home and resettle the towns of the Negev. And those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Zion, that's Jerusalem, in Jerusalem to rule over the mountains of Edom, and the Lord himself will be king. Now this is future prophetic, and this is again another hint, a remez hint of the greater exodus to come. The exiles will return home. You and I are living in exile. If you don't live in Israel, you're living in exile. And there's a time coming when the exiles will return home. And so that's a wonderful promise that we can stand on. So the last thing I wanted to touch upon is from Psalm 132. And I want to look at verse 11, 12, and 13. The Lord swore an oath to David with a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on the throne if your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws that I teach them. And then your royal line will continue forever and ever. So who is that royal line? That would be Yeshua. He is of the lineage of Judah, and he is directly in the lineage of David, a direct descendant of David. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever, he said. So when Yeshua returns to rule and reign, he's not going to be ruling from New York or Atlanta or London or Tanzania or anywhere else. He's going to be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. That's going to be the capital of his government. He has chosen Jerusalem. So God can put a specialness, a, a holiness on a place, and he can put a holiness on time. He put holiness on time when he set apart the Sabbath day from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. And he calls that day set apart. It's holy. And he also has put a holiness on the place of Jerusalem. Now, is Jerusalem holy today? No. <laughs> There's a lot of worldliness and carnality there and a lot of corruption. There's problems in the government. Um, but it's going to become holy and set apart. And it will be the place where Yeshua rules and reigns. He goes on to say in verse 15, I will bless this city and make it prosperous. I will satisfy its poor with food. I will clothe its priests with godliness and its faithful servants will sing for joy. So Jerusalem is a very special place. This is a place that God has chosen. And it is a place where Yeshua is going to, when he returns, he will ultimately rule and reign from Jerusalem. Have a blessed day, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai <laughs> 
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.